This is for all shows on the Surf Splendor Network. This is Chris from Florida. I just watched Philippe Toledo beat Yago Dora at Baby Pipe. I, I guess it's Pipeline. Uh, if Pip wins Pipeline, I'm done. Um, check please. I am cashing out on the WSL. Uh, I'd rather do anything else. This is just a Travis sham mockery, as Scott Bass would say. And uh, Kelly Slater owes me 20 bucks for my surf libel pick. Cheers, boys. Keep up the work. Well, he's still in because Felipe didn't win. Felipe didn't win. Congratulations. You got sunset coming up and you can enjoy another four-ish, five-ish days of professional surfing at the very top level. <laughs> Why? Do you don't think sunset's going to be good? Uh, what's the forecast? I have no idea. I, yeah, I haven't I have no looked idea. yet. I mean, no, here's the funny thing. You want to know the funny thing, David Lee Scales? Always. I love funny. I found my rhythm in watching Pipeline yesterday. Uh, so I watched more of, like, I really eased into it, but uh, pretty much watched Bell to Bell on the good day, which was um, the the start of the round of the 32, right? 32 and 16, I think. Yeah, was was like good surf. I mean, it wasn't like best pipeline ever, but it was, or not even close, but it was enjoyable to watch. Am I wrong? No, it was totally... Again, not stellar pipe, but contestable and the shiftiness of the swell made it actually really interesting. And then yesterday when it was objectively terrible surf, like absolutely rotten to the core, I still found myself enjoying it. I found myself enjoying uh, sort of how Jack Robinson, how John John, how these guys surf really lousy stuff. And I typically wouldn't want that. And I typically would blame the WSL, but in this case, you really can't blame the WSL. They, they really did have kind of a bum uh, forecast the whole time. Yeah. They didn't really, you know, you could argue. I know people were saying or DMing or messaging that there was still a couple hours of daylight on the good day when they, when they stopped running. Uh, if I recall the permits, uh, you have to stop at a certain time. Like you got to give the locals their shot at it. So they couldn't have done that. You know what? You could, in hindsight, you could maybe argue that, uh, what? There's nothing to really argue. They had a bum, a bad uh, window. The only thing that I think you could really criticize them for is putting the women out in absolute slop. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, let's start with the first, though. Is this positivity a reflection of last episode being too negative yes there's we're coming in hot i mean i was just really i really for the four i really want to speak the truth right the truth as best as we can and so when i really sit down and think i i enjoyed yesterday's day of surfing it wasn't great by any means but it was there was enough nuance to it there was enough texture uh that there was there was something to get out of it um I need to adjust to this new Chaz. I don't know if this is the AG one talking because I was ready to go hard in the paint and now I need to like, uh, well, go, come I, hard, come hard at me. Did okay. You, okay. Did... Okay. Well, no, I agree with everything you're saying. Um, in that it was contestable. Like if there are 
let's say 10 waves in a heat and each surfer gets five, that's enough to kind of uh, figure out what's what and figure out who the better surfer is. Whereas with the women's day, you know, there was 10 waves throughout the entire day. And so there wasn't, there wasn't enough for them to even compete on. So yes, you're right. The playing, the playing field had enough waves for them to, they weren't great waves. And yeah, there is some level of interest in trying to figure out how they find their way through a chandelier section or something like that. And it's relatable because those are waves that you and I would surf. Whereas, so yes, to all of that, but, and it's nice of you to make the accommodation of the, the tour is bloat. The WSL is designed a tour that is bloated. It's bloated. And, and given the structure, they have all these limitations and within the limitations, they were given this crappy window. And so within this crappy window, they made the most out of it. And my, my goodness, those couple of people surfed incredibly in those conditions, but we can't overlook the fact that the original goal is to put the best surfers in the world in the best waves and to progress the sport of surfing. That should be the initial goal. So it is nice of you to, uh, for this episode, ignore the fact that they're missing the entire goal, you know, but look, I mean, let's be honest. How many years have we told them exactly what they need to do? I think we have honed it so perfectly. Like we've talked about it. We've talked about it again. We've discussed it in our various discussions, going back and forth with people calling in and offering suggestions that like we now have, I think on paper, the perfect tour. We have designed it for them perfectly. There is not one thing out of place in that tour. They're never going to do it, right? They're clearly yeah. hell-bent on, on this version of surfing. On, I mean, remarkably, I, I paused the other day. I think I even mentioned out loud to the wife. Uh, I was like saying something about how bad the forecast was and mentioned, you know, we've gone through, or she, I think she asked how long has pipe been running or something. And I think I said, you know, we've been running three days and we've lost four surfers. That was after the elimination round where treating, I mean, it's ludicrous treating swell. Like it's this bounty that never ends and designing a tour around, you know, where there's going to be 10 days, there's going to be 10 straight days of pumping surf. Cause that happens all the time everywhere. Every break, pretty much you can show up and you're going to get 10 days of pumping surf in a row. No, you're, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum, right? You get, yeah, a, you get a one swell window and you better take advantage. And if you're going to have these two days, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, we've said at time, it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous to run three days of surfing and lose four people out of a draw. But what is good uh, is, I mean, they could have started and finished. How many heats did they run in that goodish day? It was like, uh, well, all of the round of 32 and all, and all of the round of 16. 16. So, so however many, many heats that is. that is where if you cut the draw down, right, you could have finished an entire day of surfing in that, like, yeah, which is, but they're not going to do that. They're never going to do that. They, for some reason, they love bloat and I don't know why they love it, but that's what we're left with. And so I'm going to say, uh, it felt good to have pro surfing back. Well, again, that's nice of you. Um, <laughs> I, I agree. We don't need to kind of continually beat the dead horse because they aren't going to do anything about it. So let's talk about the actual surfing itself. I suppose. Let's go. Um, Jack Robinson. I mean, this can only be fuel. We can only attribute this success to AG one clearly. I mean, obviously. And you know, talking about <clears throat> survival at the start, I survived because I went with AG one. I AG1, cannot believe you dude. 
AG1 will never steer you wrong. Like I cannot I do, believe you. I start my day with AG1. I'm starting my season with the person who has AG1 in them, one Jack Robinson. And he looked phenomenal. He looked phenomenal on the good days. He looked great on the bad days. Well, so my, again, criticism of the WSL over the years was you can't put, you know, um, F1 drivers in go-karts essentially. And Jack Robinson is an an example who I pointed to over the years, which was this kid has fine-tuned his surfing in West Oz and big swells in Hawaii to be one of five people on the planet who can do what he does. And yet when he was on tour, I think his rookie year, he almost fell off tour. He finally won the Mexico event at the end of the year and thankfully shored up his position. But that was the example at the time where I was like, they're putting him in Newcastle and all these spots that aren't where, you know, 2000 people can surf well in those waves. He's one of five who could surf well in great waves. Well, what I need to pat Jack Robinson on the back for here is that he's also figured out how to drive the go-kart at the highest level. The waves, certainly he could win pipe when it's pumping and you might actually bet on him to do that, but I would never expect him to win when it's three feet and crappy. And he figured out how to do it, not only against John John, but against like high flying Brazilians who are specialized. I mean, he beat Gabriel Medina in those yeah. conditions, you yep. know? So huge kudos. Uh, again, I'll pat Jack on the back a little bit, but I'm going to pat AG1, athleticgreens.com slash surf on the back because he is the first surfer on tour who I have seen endorse the product. He just endorsed it a month ago. So within one month's time, that's the magic that athleticgreens.com slash surf is working. And also Leandro Dora, the coach. I could pat him on the back as well because they've only been working together recently. Totally. And, and sharp eye surfboards too. Yep. Sharp eye. I mean, there's a lot of, lot of back pats going around. Uh, the funny thing is as and on the women's side of course carissa took out tyler wright um to win and i've been waiting for this kind of and it I, this is the i have a strong feeling that this is the year it happens where jack's looking real good right john john was looking real good gave him medina we didn't have a really enough sample size but he was i thought he looked good yeah i, I thought he looked good too like he's anyway we have these three epic surfers right yeah uh they're going to be battling it out i would imagine at the top with Philippe toledo on, <laughs> underneath it's fully one of them i would love and i'm i have a feeling that it's going to happen I, there's three of them so they might not have a dominant lead but those three are going to dominate the year and Philippe is going to take it out and you know it's stinking john john's going to win chopu jack's going to win jv they're going to win the important ones and Philippe Toledo is going to host his second trophy at the end uh at the final state the failure in the final state format and Carissa was looking so good that I could very well see a scenario in which she honestly runs the table basically is has such a dominant point lead by the end that you know she'll have like everybody comboed by threefold right and that she could lose again to a Brissa Hennessy. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I did see the article or the headline that you guys published about Carissa crying for a month after the loss. Yeah. What was the story behind that? I mean, I think it's that. It was an interview where she just opened up about how much it hurt, right? It, it was gutting, I think. Like for us, it's it's 
fodder to talk about. This is her life, right? And the the World Surf League threw a wrench into the whole works that they've been they've been doing it this way forever. They thought, oh, we need to get excitement. We need to somehow, everybody knows the story. We need to somehow recreate the excitement that we had when it was, who was it? Gabriel versus John or Gabriel, or Gabriel versus Italy. at Pipe. Yeah, at Pipe where it was where the final was decided in the final, right? At the last, yeah. the final heat of the final event was actually deciding the winner of the year. I don't know who in their right mind at the World Surf League, which I don't think there's very many right minds there, how you thought you could recreate that, right? You caught a lightning in a bottle there. The reason there was so much weight there is because you had an entire tour behind it. It wasn't that they were competing to see who won pipe. You know, I mean, it was all of this year building up to it. Well, yeah. Trestles doesn't build up, you know, that stupid trestles day doesn't have that. But anyway, so they wrecked the whole thing, like kick Carissa in the teeth while they're doing it. And she's she's supposed to just be a good sport about it say well oh these are the rules now well luke cederman said something pretty profound to me he said that that was the worst thing to ever happen to professional surfing was idolo and gabe meeting in the final at pipe in the you know at uh, in 2019 and pumping surf because eric logan read it entirely wrong he did not he did not recognize that the waves are the stars and yeah it's nice to have number one and number two end up in the final together but the waves of the stars. That's what Eric didn't recognize. He just thought, oh, the drama of one and two, let's manufacture yeah. that. Well, once it's synthesized, it's no longer the same thing at all. You know? No, because, so because it, watching watching Steph beat Carissa, watching number five beat one, there was no any kind of feeling of like, wow, look at that. I mean, uh, Steph's even, run from five to one, you know, was was cool in and of itself, I suppose but not at the expense of, of like both the, I mean, they really gutted any kind of meaning in pro surfing at that point. Well, it undermines the integrity of their entire tour. Yeah. Why you know, like why exactly? Why even do it at that Get point? Fifth. So I wonder, I don't think Carissa has enough narcissism to be the spokesperson for women's surfing, Yeah, but but in all honesty, she kind of is her, her position. She's an Olympian gold medal Olympian. She's obviously won five world titles, all this sort of stuff. So she, I don't know how she doesn't feel like this is an assault on women's surfing the way that the WSL is treating the women's league. And of course she's been a beneficiary of the WSL because she's won these titles, but they didn't give that to her. She earned that on her own. Sure. Every, everything that the WSL does actually kneecaps her. Like them running her in those waves. The, you know, which we'll talk about Bethany Hamilton's thing and the trans policy later. Stuff like that. I am certain that Carissa has an opinion on it. She's not, again, comfortable enough. Because once she does vocalize what her opinion is, she will be held up as the voice of women surfing. Yeah. And I don't think that she's comfortable doing that in the way that Bethany Hamilton did it. Um, I mean, Bethany Hamilton just how- has nothing to lose, right? But it, it, Bethany yeah. Hamilton, I mean, I suppose Bethany Hamilton, you know, she's already like a vocal Christian and, you know, has her support from the right and all this, right? And she's And not- she's a spokesperson- by profession. Exactly. That's what she does. Yeah. So, and Bethany doesn't surf on tour, right? So her boycotting yeah. the WSL is means very little. Not that, you know, I don't think that 
taking a stand or Bethany taking a stand is interesting or that she should have or anything, but she just said, you know, is an easier stand for her to take than for somebody to say like Carissa. But it's an interesting thought to think that Carissa probably has a lot of animosity for the WSL at this point. Again, running in the conditions that they force her to run in all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she is clearly qualified to surf certainly the waves yesterday, but the waves the day before, and she should be given the opportunity at this point. She and the other women on tour have earned the opportunity. It was and strange. The- it was strange to me that they honestly did not run the women at all. Not even, I mean, not even for like, they put them out in trash in utter trash, like arguably yeah. the worst waves I've ever seen anyone having to go paddle out into right yeah it was yeah. Un- basically unsurfable then the next day you run men and great and then yeah. you go back to oh garbage time again here's the woman well so i understand what you said earlier about the waiting period was bad and all that sort of stuff if that is the case then you need to run um concurrent men and women's heats yeah. on every day you i don't know why they don't do that half half the athletes Across the board, the men and the women, half the athletes are going to get crappy surf and half the athletes are going to get the good surf. But it can't be the half that gets the crappy surf is the women and the half that get the good surf are the men. You know, And by the way, not just this one time. No, this is regularly. every single Which, time. So how do the women on tour not take this as a direct assault? Because you got Jesse Miley Dyer, chief of sport there saying equality, equal pay, we've done, you know, this, that, and the other thing we are, we have moved women surfing. They're beating the drum hard, the, the, and there is, you know, I'll fully give it to them. They, the pay thing and they've, they progressed in, I'm sure a lot of ways, but they have, they have not progressed in giving the women a great playing field. You know, I'll tell you exactly why, um, or in my opinion, why I don't think that Eric Logan and Jesse Miley Dyer have bad intentions. No. I don't think they're nefarious. I think that they completely don't understand the sport and they completely don't understand surfing. And so I've, I've pointed to this a lot, you know, that um, they don't, Eric Logan lacks vision, whatever, but it's like, you can bring in a CEO to do dirty work. You could bring in Andy Mooney at Quicksilver to do all the bloodletting and fire everybody. Yeah. To cut, reduce expenses essentially. And everybody knows that he's the bad guy. I feel like they brought in is Dirk Ziff. First of all, doesn't understand the sport. So he brought in Eric Logan to do a certain thing. It was, uh, develop the WSL studios. Let's create all this shoulder con. We have a tour. Let's create shoulder content. This will open it up to the outside world, to new fans, essentially, who will then become consumers of the tour itself. Well, he completely failed at that. And obviously so bad that they had to shutter the studios within a year or two. Bumping him up to the CEO who actually now runs the tours was a huge mistake. If somebody failed at the job that you hired them for, I don't know how you then promote them to the other job. And so I don't think he's nefarious. It's just that he completely misunderstands everything about the sport, the core of the sport, the essence of the sport. So when you have somebody that misunderstands it, who is now the arbiter of the thing, they are making decisions based on social influence. So when Black Lives Matter, that's what they're talking about. When Me Too, that's what, when equal pay matters, that's what they're talking about. They don't realize that that means for the next five years, and by the way, in perpetuity, 
you have to run in equal conditions. You have to give equal opportunity. You know what I mean? So that there's then equal results in the end and that sort of stuff. They are a windsock that blows whichever direction the social wind is blowing. Sure. Not understanding that surfing is a very strong wind in and of itself. And if you understood it, you would have clear direction and focus and know exactly what to do, which is, by the way, running the best surfers in the best waves in the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, for sure. Whatever they're doing is, I think, all, you know, not all performative. I mean, I, I truly believe, obviously, that, you know, Eric Logan and Jesse Maldire and whoever else is in the room anymore over there does care about equality and, you know, cares about these things. But so much of it outside of that is is straight lip service to the thing uh, without really investing in, okay, what is, again, I was thinking about it during this, uh, during the women's side of the pipe, how badly they got ripped off. They're surfing crap pipe. They used to surf Honolulu, which is a phenomenal stop, right? They lost one of their best stops, not there, one of the best, you know, one of the better waves in the entire world, right? Totally. It's Honolulu. They lost that to go surf garbage at pipe. Yeah. Like, which they, is, they, they really full, got ripped off. They had full priority access to Honolulu because there was no men's event there. Best day. I mean, that's the thing. Like when you looking at it, I was thinking, wait a second, wait just one dang second. WSL is making this all about the opportunity for the women to surf pipe. And wow, this is historic. And we've never done this before. And how amazing this is, they get this opportunity. They, in order to do that, lost their best thing that they had all to themselves. And that's again, why... I'm saying Carissa should be offended. And I would imagine that she probably is. She just can't say it because when you, when it is all performative, when you don't actually care about equality, when you just care about talking about equality, then yeah. you don't think about what equality actually means. No. And if they, if they did think about it, they would be like, oh, that means, yeah, surfing the best waves again, Honolulu, when it's pumping and that sort of thing, because yeah, that is the men on tour. Yep. would wish that they could surf Honolulu. No kidding. But now women are getting like scraps at pipe instead of instead of as good as Honolulu gets in any given window. Yeah. Well, I do want to talk about surfing still. So <laughs> let's, let's pull it back a little bit. Um, Leonardo Fioravanti made this final. Which he sure Robinson. did. And Leonardo, uh, maybe we haven't really discussed his story on air because anytime anything happens, it's kind of, I don't know, there's other news stories that's happening, but the kid has broken his back at Pipeline. Yep. he's He was a child prodigy. I mean, he was surfing events with Jack Robinson from the time they were Groms. He was right alongside with Kanoa, Kanoa. Griff, right? Well, actually on Team Quicksilver. So it was Jack Kanoa, Robinson, a, Kanoa, and Leonardo. I have uh, a great, great video. I think I've shared it with you before where I'm interviewing uh, baby Jack, Leo, and Kanoa. They're like, couldn't have been older than 11 uh on the gold coast uh and it's pretty dang funny yeah so those kids have been competing at this level forever however at some point kanoa and uh jack got million dollar contracts and leo hasn't you know he he was with quick up until recently and what's interesting is griffin basically presumably took that budget so as soon as quick or as soon as Griff put the Quicksilver sticker on his board, Leo's was ripped off. And um, Leo's had a rough go kind of on and off tour due to injury, not requalifying oftentimes. He's not the most dynamic surfer 
for whatever reason. And so I think that the attention just gets drawn elsewhere, but he's a workhorse and he is talented and he's, and he's talented gutsy. In all, he in is all not afraid, man. No, he, yeah. I was, a, I was at Chopes once, Chopes once I was at Tia Hupa'o once uh, and it was biggish and he was young and he was right out there into it. Like yeah. that, that kid is fearless. Totally fearless. Um, famously, Stephen Bell is his stepfather. And so he's had access to, you know, Kelly Slater and the whole industry. And I think that has really served him well. Access to the world, by the way, for, you know, traveling and surfing around the world. Speaks a bunch of languages, all this sort of stuff. But all of that is to say that it's he's developed the work ethic along the way as well. And so to see him show up at this event and in his post-eat interview, the way obviously we talked about him in the Apple watch last week to see him speaking freely, confidently, truthfully, all that sort of stuff. I found myself rooting for Leo and I haven't ever rooted for him in the past. A real breath of fresh air. I thought I really liked, uh, I get, I feel, you know, whatever, like in any WSL season starts again, he kind of, it feels like there's going to be no new storyline and there always is a new storyline and Leo's, rise from the ashes again he got cold at the mid-year cut last year and basically prevented that from happening happening again with his with his performance of pipe and but looking strong for the entire year i mean leo looks like a solid pick there's something about a surfer without a sticker on their board too that makes it's crazy how many there were who was it that wow it was in the Maybe, yeah, just, yeah, Maxime, who's an note, like fully blank. There was not, I don't think there was one sticker on there, not one. I know. And he was a Quicksilver guy too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Leo, I think that that is the fire in his belly. He's like, he knows he's as good as all those guys and they're earning millions of dollars and he's not. He's yeah. going to go get his. Yeah. He's going to go get it. It was great. It was great. Other, uh, what other inspirations did you have or what other, what other surprises, small surprises did you have? Um, Leah, Liam O'Brien yeah, was another one that I never would have put money on who found himself, I think in the quarterfinals. Yep. Uh, Joao Chianca is so thrilling to watch. I mean, and- Joao, you, you could realize this year how Joao just got, had straight bad luck last year. He yeah. like came up against, you know, epic John, John Florence, of course. And, and, but Joao is like a, a real future of Brazilian surfing. I agree. Um, he had bad luck throughout the year because he came up against John at J Bay. I think yeah. it was again later in the year. Yeah, and 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 surfed I, again a, a nine point a two nine point rides. I think in that heat, John's were slightly better again. And so Joao, I think, did of all the people who got cut at the mid year, Joao surfed the best out of all of them yep. and would have won any of those heats if he was against other people throughout the year and found himself, you know, probably in the Just top 10. Bad luck. So good for him for kind of showing up this year and doing it again. I think those, um, he has a sticker on his board, but I love the way his boards look too, because yep. it's, just one sticker that Vulcan sticker on the nose and the CI logo on the board and nothing else looks freaking looks good. Great. It's so good that, that, I mean, even Gabriel Medina's, you know, NASCAR surfboard is gone. Like it seems like everybody both from probably attrition and whatever surfing, not being, yeah, like whatever, not as many sponsors, but it looks good. I will say, sorry, you're not making as much money, but it's pleasing on the eye, everyone. Yeah. Do you think, 
it makes me think I just did, uh, I interviewed Troy Eckert. So I've been thinking about Volcom a bit, but I like Volcom's team. It's looking good. It like between Jack Robinson, Joel Chianca. And when I was a kid, the Volcom team really meant something like there was a certain personality type that was so on brand, you know, like Bruce, Gavin, you know, um, they just, there was a certain personality type. And I feel like these guys aren't, they're their own personalities, but it's still the stone means something. Yep. Again, it's yeah. Back from the grave, the stone. I like it. Yeah. Uh, What did you think about the announcing? Um, I didn't think anything of it, to be honest. I, I wasn't necessarily listening with the sound up, I think. Okay. A lot of it. Why? Was there anything of note? Well, I mean, I just think that, of course, like Laura Enever's continued rise, like she is a gem and is really fully coming to her own, I think, as a broadcaster and should just be the main voice, right? Like the both her insight into surfing, uh, the way she can talk about it, and then her relationship with the with the surfers themselves, like when she's doing the kind of beach interviewee thing, there's yeah. always like a there's a comfortability there, like where the surfers know that she's obviously charges, they're all bros, but they're, it seems like they give more, they give more of themselves when they're talking to her rather than when they're talking to somebody else. So kind of our epic, I really like Kaipo. I really like the pairing of Kaipo and Ross. I thought they were oh, yeah. both, both funny. And especially as the days got long, uh, some of the sheen of like just pure professionalism would go away and they would start like, misspeaking and then laughing at each other and there was like moments of real humanity uh yeah. which was especially wonderful as soon as plastic joe Turpel came back and was talking with megan like that thing needs to go like not megan but uh i think joe Turpel needs to go megan maybe needs to go but the voice of, of pro surfing joe Tur- his one speed i mean again we've talked about this for years that and he gets back on the ski and resets after a shark attack or like strider this time told a story was out in the lineup and got rolled by a wave right and yeah. slammed the reef and strider told it in a in a amusing way but i'm sure that it was fairly you know you have this big microphone pack on your back and you're bouncing off the reef like for sure strider wasn't scared or anything but strider told the story in a in a humorous kind of way and it just comes back to one speed joe of gotta love it strider like right. where you should have said at least like, wow, well, that sounds sketchy or with all that equipment on your record could ask another question. It seemed like a, something to actually have an exchange about all Joe can say is gotta love it strider. And now back to the water. Like it's just uh, his flat ones, his inability to go up or down, just ever loving everything. And one speed. I don't know how you can have a one speed uh, voice always. Yeah. I, I agree with everything you said. Um, and I do have thoughts about the commentary now that you kind of said those things. What happened to Alex McCord? She was there on the first couple of days of pipe and then she disappeared once we came back after a few lay days. That's really true. I wonder, I wonder if she's not a full-time employee and is like juggling surfing because she was great. She's f- fantastic, but I know that she does professional commentary for other sports, yeah, so like football and stuff. So maybe she had a pre-existing obligation yep. at the second half. Um, somebody sent me a note saying that Sally Fitzgibbon hit on her during their, uh, during her post heat interview on the crappy day. Nice. Good job. I Sally. know. 
Yeah, I know. So I meant to go look it up um, to verify it before talking about it on air, but I'll just say that I haven't looked it up yet. So maybe it's not true, but I'm curious to see if like, Sally shot, shot her shot on air. I like to see it. I know. Um, I'm also wondering where Ronnie Blakey is. I think last year he was gone, but we didn't know if it was a temporary thing. And now he seems to be totally. Yeah. Gone, I mean, it seems like a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. It is a shame because at least Ronnie had the straight man uh, was the flip side to Joe, but at least there was variation in, of course. Yeah. I mean, Ronnie's a great broadcaster anyway. Totally. And it's nothing against Joe. Like I'm sure, again, Joe's a great person, has a real encyclopedic knowledge of surfing uh, uh, or at least of pro surfing, but that he doesn't even really share, right? Like you'll hear him drop like a gem from a heat in wherever, and it's interesting. And I'm like, do that more. If you're going to be one right. speed, at least dig into your brain and like share whatever interesting anecdotes from surfing surfing's past. Um, I hate to say it about Megan Abubo because growing up, she was among my very favorite female surfers. Uh, she's not great. She's not no. great in the booth. I'm thrilled to see her back. She's not, I feel like number one, she's not the most well-spoken uh, articulate or anything like that. So I think, Obviously, the reason why they have her is she's got street cred. So bring in an expert on uh, ex-professional surfer and all that sort of stuff to provide context for, you know, how dangerous pipeline is or whatever it is. But I feel like she hasn't watched surfing in the last five or six years and little details like she doesn't know surfers names. Let's say she doesn't really know who's who or what's what she knows who the Hawaiians are, but she's not up to date on what's happening in pro surfing and other little things like. Joe Turpel mentions that uh, John John Florence armbarred that wave to stall. And Megan thought that was the funniest and most yeah. novel thing she's ever heard. She's like, oh, I like that armbar. And I'm like, Megan, they say this in the broadcast all the time for like literally the last decade. Have you not watched a surf contest? And then she brought it up for the next two or three days. Hey, Joe, remember when you said armbar? He just did that armbar again. And it's but like- Poor, poor Megan too fell into the- sticky trap of getting caught in one word and saying it over and over and over she used spicy like every eighth word it was yeah. something spicy spicy waves spicy boards spicy surfers spicy action spicy 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 it's like so i'm sure she would even if she wanted to go back and listen to herself would think "Ooh, next time don't say one word a billion times i'm sure honestly there's a learning curve. I know sure. there's a learning curve. And so I would be totally fine if they brought her back. And, you know, I think that she would get better. And I, again, I grew up loving her. So I hate to even be speaking this way about her, but let's call a spade a spade. Yeah. Um, Honesty, David Lee. It's what we bring. That's, I owe it to the listeners. That's yep. what I'm always thinking about. Uh, the other huge question is, will Kelly Slater make the mid-year cut? It's a great question. Uh, his performance in pipe was not indicative that he will, let's just say. Like it's when Kelly starts, it's one thing to like blow it physically kind of or whatever. Like clearly he's, you know, 50, almost 51, 51 in two days, I do believe David Lee Scales. It's Kelly Slater day. Um, so clearly like, the, you know, you don't stay young forever. Uh, but watching him just like blow 
like really botched tactics at a yeah. at a wave that he knows better than anyone out there, right? Just and his reasoning afterwards for what he was thinking and what he was doing, obviously it makes sense, but it clearly wasn't working. And at some point, you better shift. Yeah. Well, Kelly screwed me in the survival league. I am out how many for the did, how many season. did you screw? I don't know the hard number. I know that 64% of people lost in survival league by far the biggest culling of survival leagues history. I know season. I mean, uh, event one 64% loss. So I don't know how many of those were Kelly Slater picks, but I was one of them. There was never a safer bet. Like in terms of statistically at any event on tour, who would you pick? Kelly at pipe is statistically the safest bet. And so he screwed us all. I feel like he all, he owes all of us 20 bucks. I mean, a real gaffe, the way he did it too, the the way he, like, he just blew it. He straight up sat on the wrong part of the reef and took the wrong waves. Well, he had, he got the backdoor waves. He just didn't make it out the little chandelier at the end, which was very unlike him. And I know it was a three foot wave. And if it was a 10 foot wave, he would have made it, but he normally would have still made the three foot wave too. You know, that's a real bummer. I mean, which I wonder, is it uh, a symbol of his lack of care? Right. Yes. Like, yes. Is it, does he just not have the motivation to actually, to actually push through that little chandelier at the end metaphorically. Uh, And literally. And for the last decade, he hasn't. And we've been talking about that here as well, ad nauseum, but the only thing that motivates Kelly at this point is pumping surf. And well, so I, I don't think I go yeah, I mean, if Kelly, if Kelly mid-year cuts, then that's it for Kelly Slater, which is going to be, there's no way he's going to go down to the challenger series and, and try to requalify. He couldn't, right. I mean, there's the, he just could not. And uh, the trouble for the WSL is once you lose Kelly, you lose the marquee draw name, right? Like watching when the viewer count go up on the YouTube. When Kelly's in the water, it goes up by a third, right? And then when Kelly's out of the water, so you, Kelly is a draw. It's going to be like everything the World Surf League can do to keep him above the cut. I remember there was times where Julian Wilson almost fell off tour and then Kelly was interviewed and he's like, despite him having a bad season, Julian is so talented he will not fall out. like he will figure it out at the last event or whatever because he's just that talented and so i've always thought about that and i think he said that about jack robinson too before jack won in mexico i don't feel the same way about kelly at this point i no. feel like i feel like when i watch felipe and even joao chianca and guys like that surf three foot uh back door or three foot anywhere i go kelly can't do that like there's 15 surfers on tour that do that better than Kelly. Kelly is singular in what he can do in big barreling surf, but they're not running a big barrel. Most of the events aren't big barreling events. So when we talk about the mid-year cut, bad re- throwaway result at pipe, he's liable to have a throwaway result always at sunset. Doesn't like verbally recognize or it says that he dislikes sunset. Totally. And then Portugal is a total wild card unless Portugal is pumping. Pumping, yeah. Very liable to lose in the round of 32, maybe the round of 16 there at best. You know, I don't know that he's ever made the quarters there that I can remember. And uh, and then we're in Western, and then we're in Australia, and it's like I, it's hit and miss in Australia. I, I, if Bells is pumping, maybe he'll do okay there. I but don't think he he'll could do that. legitimately not requalify. 
I mean, very easily. That's the thing is I think he pipeline meant more to him or more for him than to any other surfer, right? Like that is precisely how he stayed above the mid-year cut last year is by winning pipe, right? He was totally done and dusted then. I can't even remember what he did the rest of the way, but I'm, I bet you could probably win one and go out of the, in the round of 32 at the rest of them and still survive. Correct. I don't know. I don't I think, know how the math works. Well, I mean, so how many how many events are there? There's Pipe, there's Sunset, there's Bells, there's... Margaret. Portugal. No, is Portugal before or after the mid-year cut? Portugal's early this year. It's the third event. Okay, so it's... Uh, there we go then. So it is Pipe, Sunset, I think, Portugal, I think there's Bells, and then the cut, right? Yeah, I think there's five. Yeah, there's five. Uh, Margaret's the cut. Uh so I don't know. I mean, I guess he could do okay. I mean, it just purely depends on the surf, but you're exactly right. It depends on the surf a hundred percent for Kelly where it doesn't for Philippe or any of the other guys, like any of those guys as, as evidenced by Jack Robinson willing, like just straight gutting out a win in garbage. Exactly. And so I don't think Kelly can compete with those guys if the surf isn't good, but more importantly than that, he's not motivated. I don't no. see him being motivated and he's too old. He's done it for too long and he's got too many other things going on in his life. The only thing that motivates him is pumping surf, which is why we saw him win pipe last year. And so ain't it a bummer. Make the- ain't it a bummer though? Hmm. You'd think the WSL would be thinking, Oh, this is our draw. This is our big draw. Kelly Slater. We should try to keep him in. What keeps him in pumping surf. Hmm. Look at that. Shouldn't we have these guys and pumping surf? Imagine Kelly would surf till 60. If, they had one swell window that did exactly what we said, a limited amount of surfers, best swells of the year at the best waves of the year. Kelly, you get Kelly forever. Totally, completely. Um, I have another listener line call. Let me see. My notes are a little bit out of order, but. Um, okay, I'm just going to play this one for you. Relates to some of what we've already discussed, so maybe I should have played it earlier, but. This is Ryan from Orlando. This is not Surf Splendor or any affiliation. Jesse Miley Dyer needs to be fired. I just finished watching the females at what I guess you would call Pipeline, but I'd prefer to call it maybe Uakai Beach, One Foot, Closeouts. High scores under two, quarterfinals. Quarterfinals, and that's what they offered us. That was absolutely terrible. Um, I got, don't need to play them all. I got a dozen calls essentially saying the same thing. So a bunch of people who are watching that event throughout that day were needed somewhere to uh, send their ire. And so they called the listener line to let us know how pissed they were about it. I mean, it was egregious. It was truly, truly egregious. And I don't think that, I mean, yeah, sure. Fire her, but also she won't be fired. But I think at the very, very least she owes the surfers an apology and owes the fans an apology for that. Like at some, when you like stinking, when you want to praise yourself all day, every day, and really say, Hey, I'm yeah. number one, guess who the new chief of sport is. Then right. at some point you got to also take the buck stops here mentality and say, Hey, look, as chief of sport, uh, I, you know, I had a lot of input. We had a lot of people looking at this and, but at the end of the day, I made the call yeah, to of send them out and I am sorry. And that's what a leader does, right? That's what a chief of sport does. And 
you'll never, we'll never hear about that again. Right. And it was truly, I mean, I poked fun of stab for calling it uh, the worst day in professional serving history, but I think it was the worst is the worst day I've ever seen. I'm sure there was some crap day in France and 2001, but like, it was awful. It was awful. It was, I don't know how they just didn't read, like do, do a redo, like send the girls out there and say, you know, that was so bad. We're going to give you guys another shot. Well, I guess I am a hardcore fan. We are hardcore fans. We will almost watch anything and I wouldn't even watch that. It was, it was and embarrassing. So, and so it made that's me feel bad. Huge... The, it made me feel honest to goodness, bad for the girls in the water. There was, oh, there was nothing sure. to do with that. I, I mean, honestly, they should have protested. They should have not paddled out. Yeah. It would be honestly, if you're a crack addict and your dealer shows up and goes, here's some free crack. And you go, no, thanks. I don't want it. That crack is not good enough. I'll just have a soda instead. That's yep. how I felt that day. I was I mean, a crack addict and I wouldn't even do the free drugs. Nope. I was like, look at that. Your drugs are, ugh, ugh. What? I'm how did pass. you let your drugs go so bad? Yeah. No, thank you. It was, it was, I mean, but again, it's just a, like, it's the stupid part of the wall of positive noise is that the inability to recognize the truth where it's okay. We're all human. We all make mistakes. We all, you know, every one of us has made a real bad call, right? So Jesse, just own it. Just look back and say, you know, that day, I, I truly am sorry. I am tr sorry to the girls that we, and we will even give throughout the line, we'll do better in the future, right? Just say, we'll look at what we put into place to how that decision happened. I take, I take the blame, take the blame, yeah. Jesse. But well, honestly, honestly, she seems pretty crap at what she does. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, what's? I feel like they're villains. <laughs> and uh, again, no nefarious kind of intention, but I do feel like they're wolf and sheep. Uh, I don't know, Trojan horse, wolf and sheep's clothing. I'm not sure what the right metaphor is. I feel like when you hire somebody who looks like the people who you're going to then try to exploit and take advantage of is kind of what's happening here where Jesse comes from the women's world tour. Let's bring her on and then make her make all of the bad decisions because nobody's going to say anything bad to her. I mean, but I, I truly believe that she's making the bad decision decisions herself. That's the problem. And I think Maybe. when you have a, when you have a real lack of accountability, like this is just what happens, right? Like she definitely does not feel the need to ever apologize about anything. They never, none of them ever do. Like nobody yeah. apologized to <clears throat> Carissa or uh, maybe they did, you know, behind the scenes apologize to Carissa, but there are things that the World Surf League does that sure we ride them hard on pretty much everything, but there's things that they should look at and say, you know, we got this wrong. You never once yeah. ever hear at an, like any kind of a middle that anything was less than just perfect. No. Well, it's, yeah. And it's, um, straight out lying. They were, when Eric Logan was on the set on day two or something like that, Joe Turpel was like, um, let's talk about the greatest day in surfing history, I think is what he said. And I'm like, Oh sweet. They're going to talk about the Eddie. Cause the Eddie yeah. had just ended yeah. literally one week ago. And they start talking about lowers. It's insane. And then and then patting each other on the back for how great the lowers concept is. And I go, you guys just said, let's talk about the greatest day in surfing. But I think it's they're not, so- It's far from the greatest day in surfing. They're like, so out even, to lunch. Even the, even the swell 
that was just in the water in the Pacific in California was a better day of surfing than, you know what I mean? Like there's countless better days of surfing and competitive surfing than that. I mean, I truly, that's the crazy thing though. They believe it. Right. Or I know, I don't, Joe should know better than to believe it, but uh, Eric Logan believes that that day was the best day. He's looking at the numbers, right? However they Jimmy him, like whatever happens, however it works to him, that was the best day in pro surfing history. Or yeah. in surfing history. Uh, yeah. Great. I think he comes, I know. I think he comes from, again, he misunderstands surfing so much, but he comes from a world where if you just say it enough and amplify yeah. it enough, it That's is true. the truth. Yeah. That's the world that he comes from. You know, I mean, I would love when, to... when you work, when you work for Oprah and you have that much, that amount of backing and money and media kind of echo chamber, it's true. Like you I mean, can I would really say, love, because there's I would no love to challenge him. I would, or I would love to have another interview with him just like purely based on, Let's really go gather the data. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I would be willing to be wrong. Maybe that was both objectively and subjectively the greatest day in surfing history. And I just missed it somehow. I, I was the one who was wrong. So let's go figure it out, right? Let's do a poll or let's, this, this, there'd be some way to get to the actual bottom of, was this actually the best day in pro surfing history? Well, and when he's done giving that answer, be like, what'd you think about the Eddie? Yeah. Well, and just let him answer that. Oh yeah. I can't say what I heard, but yeah. What? Oh, really? I mean, yeah, I don't think I can say, can I say, let me think. Uh, huh. Let me think think about it for a minute. Think of how to word it to where you can say something about what. Okay. Uh, Eddie or, uh, Ela was aware of the Eddie and trying to do deals back room deals uh but never publicly like it seemed real egregious to me it seemed what he was doing not recognizing it on the surface but underneath trying to do stuff uh seemed as like flim flammy two-faced as you can possibly be was he trying was he trying to get it the WSL partnered with it so that they can no, help no, the promote no, or trying no. to trying to undercut the not trying to undercut, trying to basically take assets and uh, do things with those assets without crediting or the Eddie would get nothing from it. Got it, uh, got it, got it, got it. It would only benefit the World Surf League and or himself, et cetera, et cetera. Right. It was like real, real from my perspective, real dirty pool. Gotcha. Um, that's par for the course. Yeah. I've tried to, I've tried to do a couple of deals with them and I could tell you that's kind of how it goes. Um, I'll give you another little tidbit, you and the listeners. Do you want to guess? So somebody was trying to use WSL footage for something at some point. Like, I don't know if you've noticed, if you ever try to publish their footage on Instagram, it gets deleted you can't yeah. do it on YouTube. Otherwise it gets deleted. So somebody was trying, I know, was trying to license WSL footage from the surf events for something that they were doing. Do you want to guess how much the WSL, specifically ELO, was attempting to charge? Oh, uh, is it is it per minute? Okay, so per, per minute. Per minute for WSL footage to be licensed to use in a different project. Okay, I'm going in now to my memory because I licensed footage for the Lisa Anderson film. And I'm going to say... Uh, 
I'm going to say 200 bucks a minute. <laughs> Just under $30,000 a minute. That is insane. That is absolutely insane. Are you kidding me? Totally dead serious. What was the, what was the, the person trying to do with the footage? Can't say. That is I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to put them on blast, but this is legit. I mean, that's insane. That That's like straight up highway robbery. Just under $30,000 per minute, a minute, a minute for the footage. And, and they wanted, you know, multiple, multiple minutes. And they were like, this is just, insane. no, like, no, like there's no way this does not fit the budget, you know? And they're like, so the, basically the impression left was, is a money grab. This is them just trying to turn a profit at every turn, overlooking the bigger picture. Because the bigger picture was, this is a big project that we're working on. We're telling your story. We're helping you tell your story. And so allow us to help you tell your story. And the number was so astronomical that they were like, well, let's, let's make it, let's meet in the middle somewhere. Nope, this is the number. And so they just thought, well, I'm not going to even try to help you tell your story then. No. Like if you're strictly here to turn a profit, you're missing the point entirely. And I'm not going to try to help you. That's ridiculous. I mean, it is straight, straight up ridiculous. Totally insane. Anyways, um, more on the WSL, actually. Uh, You and I got a text a week ago from somebody uh, screenshotting the WSL rule book, showcasing that there was a change made unceremoniously not publicized at all, but a rule book change within the WSL that would allow trans surfers to compete in their uh, uh, identified identified category, gender category. And so before you wrote an article on Beach Grid about it, you got scooped by the inertia. The inertia actually broke this story. So two things. What exactly does the rule book say? And number two, how did you let the inertia scoop you? Oh, well, I don't know about the inertia scoop. That really hurts my feelings. Uh, it was Derek that actually wrote the story. So oh. I'm going to blame Derek on that one. But uh, okay. doesn't matter. Nobody reads the inertia anyway. Uh, the As far as I can tell, the rule book, it's like a whatever. It's an amount of testosterone per whatever, uh, you know, in order to compete in the women's side as a naturally born i don't even know what the language you're supposed to use trans trans woman so if you're naturally born male and you're a trans woman you can compete in the woman's category yes uh and uh with a certain amount of test a low amount of testosterone but uh where i think the interesting thing is and why people became a hullabaloo is it's like some of the most liberal uh rules in sport like compared to all the other olympic sports so the the least stringent i will say uh, and so then, yeah. So then Bethany Hamilton comes out and boom, blows it all up. Well, so the new, the story itself of the WSL implementing the rules that are, by the way, the rules of the IOC for the Olympics. So it's not the rules of the IOC. It's the rules of the surfing. Oh, just the surfing part yeah. of the Olympics? Yes. So that's... Oh, I didn't realize that. I yeah, it's it not IOC. If, of... No, no. If it was IOC, then I think there would be no... What could you say, right? That's what the IOC had done. And if surfing is going to be an Olympic sport, then that's what they have to do too. But no, all those sports are allowed to have their own rules as it relates to that. 
uh, or all the federations and surfing's uh, mirrors the mo- the least stringent of those rules. Gotcha. So gotcha. I think that's what that's what frustrated Bethany and all that. Well, okay. So before Bethany spoke up, was this a story to you? I mean, it's a story in as much as uh, they haven't said anything, right? So you have Sasha Jane Lowerson, they winning longboard competitions in Western Australia. And there was seemed like at least the Western Australian, uh, she wasn't competing for a, it wasn't a world surf league sanctioned event. I don't think, was it her no, longboard no. stuff? Yeah. It was like no. the Western Oz thing. And they were like, cool, you know, we don't care. You can do it all you want and whatever. Uh, so then it's kind of like, okay, well, if this is starting to happen, world surf league, then clearly you're going to have to make a stand at some point. You're going to have to say th- these are our rules. Um, I'm sure they were happy when, uh, what is the, why can't I, what's Fernando's organization called? ISA. ISA. So it was, it's the ISA who chose those rules. And I'm sure WSL was happy that somebody else did it. And so then they could say, oh yeah, us too. That's what we're going to do. Right? right. So they probably didn't think much about it other than say us too. Um, but yeah. Oops. So, so then Bethany Hamilton speaking about it became the story essentially. Yes. Um, because I, I did not necessarily feel like the rule change was a story mainly because I don't see a real world scenario, uh, in the near future. You know, it's not like there's some trans surfer coming up through the amateur ranks that it will then be competing on the world tour in the next five years. So I just, I don't know. I didn't really Yeah, care. exactly. It's fun. I mean, that's what Jamie Torkowski, the to write love on our arms founder, like suicide prevention, you know, came from the surf industry. Great, great guy. That was his contention more or less. Right. And he got hammered hard for it was, this is not a, like, you're really debating about a not nobody, not one person knows or can name a trans woman surfer with stickers on her board. Not one. Right. 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 This is, so this is a purely theoretical debate but that's affecting real people, right? That suicide rates amongst transgender folk are really high. And I guess you could argue, I mean, the people argue on both sides about why those suicide suicide rates are high, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, there is a real world issue versus a purely theoretical issue, but I guess it's not purely theoretical to, you know, I guess a Bethany, I don't know. Like, I understand Bethany's point. Like, I think it's just so dicey, right? Like, cause I fully do like, it's the women who are going to get screwed here again, right? Women's sports, finally, 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 after years, you're still, you know, what, maybe making 75 cents in the dollar, if that, for, as the men are across all sport, right? Yeah. And right when you can maybe see a bit of sunlight, though, in terms of, you know, like people being interested and, people watching and money and stuff. Okay. Here's this big, sorry. Now you got to have, you know, born males compete with you. I could see, I fully see Bethany's point. What was Bethany? Can you sum up what Bethany's point was? I think it's just that. I mean, I think Bethany just took a, the line of, look, this is not fair. You know, you're going to throw, even though it's theoretical at this point, but it may not be theoretical forever, but you've just opened the door to have, people with a advantage, a clear biological advantage surfing against us. Like we're just going to be out to the slaughter more or less. Right. Well, for the record, Bethany did not 
uh, even state her stance. She posed the entire Instagram, you know, three minute video as questions. questions. Yeah. Yeah. It was, Hey, let me present these questions. But I was leading the witness questions. All of them. (laughs) Yeah. A hundred percent. But the questions are legitimate. And among the questions were, WSL, have you had any conversation with any of your athletes? Yes. And the answer, the answer is objectively no, they have not. So that's a great question for Bethany to ask. Why would you implement a rule change that affects everybody? Again, theoretically, not necessarily in practice, but still, but it affects everybody without having a conversation about with them, you know? Uh, number two was, I think, or not number two, but one of the other questions was like, is this progressive? Like, does this help progress the sport of surfing for female surfing? Also, the answer is probably no. You know what I mean? So I thought all of Bethany's questions were really salient and worth asking and worth discussing. What's interesting for me, social, sociologically, culturally is just how much vitriol there is on this subject for for the vast majority of us who don't even know a trans person to have such uh uh intensity and passion for this is a super interesting thing that i think reflects more on the person it does the person themselves than it does on anything else like this is basically conservative people who are afraid of trans people existing in the world. I mean, I and I think that is some of it, but I do think that the other side of it, there is something to this is not fair, right? And it's going to be well, there's women that too who cop the unfairness. But again, you know, like I don't know, I would love, and it's never gonna happen, but it is like people who see this as straight, black and white, uh, you know, is fine. But to me, it's so nuanced and especially when it comes down to the person right the person sitting across from you and because at the end of the day if you think a trans person is mentally you know whatever like all wrong 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 they're still a person right and so for you to look at them as a person and say i give you no rights as a person i invalidate your personhood which is essentially how the where the debate spins which is is hurtful right like it is hurtful to a person and so i again in skateboarding skateboarding actually had this right there was a trans woman skateboarder who just went mowed through the girls divisions right like and so these girls who were getting 500 the five the, the money is so minimal already to get your 500 contest winning check mattered right that actually put food on the table you were trying to do this thing and then all of a sudden here's a dude like or that's rude to say a dude but here's a somebody who is clearly uh advantaged mowing you all down just like i mean like a machine gun to all of them right nobody could yeah. even come close to winning like that's not fair yeah. right so I'll address that too. I think there's a couple of different things to to address. One is the animosity, the amount of intensity and animosity towards Bethany Hamilton just stating what she stated is crazy. But also also the amount of support and stuff for her, right? A, like a, she's the amount a of passion on hero. The amount of passion on either side. You know, like if if she was talking about anything else, the judges scoring or who Stephanie uh, Gilmore coming from behind and beating Carissa Moore on finals day or whatever. Like 
we're all interested to chime in a little bit, but nobody cares that much about. No, no you know, we went headline news with, when she with this thing. People who again don't even know a trans person, this will never affect their life in any way, are angry, more angry about this than they would be about anything else. So that is super interesting to me culturally, because um, I almost think it's a non-story. Yeah, yeah, I, I almost think it's a non-story in practical terms, but in terms of what you're talking about of the matter of fairness. Um, it's objectively unfair, yes. right? So, so the idea that we are going to take this kind of uh, ide- ideology where we want trans people to be included at the risk of excluding the vast majority of the female competitors, I think is hugely problematic well, to say, we're, we're going to bend the, we're going to change the rules now without addressing anybody who's been supporting and competing and all that all along the way, change the rules in a way that's going to negatively affect you for a small percentage of a potential population in the future is just a wrongheaded business decision. Well, I mean, I, which I, what I don't understand, I suppose, which maybe is a human condition or maybe it's a modern human condition, is the feeling that everybody holds, apparently, that, of course, I deserve my cake and I deserve to eat it too, right? Which, Insane. how Insane. many times in life? So if I fully, if, you know, if you transition, if you are a transgendered woman, then maybe that's your cake, but you don't get to eat it. You don't get to compete Correct. in sport. Like that's- Correct. Sorry. Like it just, we all make decisions daily that- that uh like where you can't do something else because you made that this limit, decision. Yeah, yeah, you make a decision, it limits other decisions. Yeah. I I personally would love to compete on the men's CT. Turns out I can't. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it, it just it's I am not, I was biologically limited or physically limited or in whatever ways. That's not for me. Like, not everything is for everybody. And yeah. so absolutely advocate for what you want. And if you have the talent, maybe you can then pursue what you want. And if there's some limitation that prevents you to have equal access, then you can advocate for that. But this was specifically designed to showcase the uh, the kind of uh, the finest talents within this uh within these parameters. You know, like the only reason that sport is interesting is if you're seeing the two best basketball teams playing under these rules and guidelines. I'm, the only that's... reason surfing is interesting is seeing these rules and guidelines and seeing who figures it out with these certain parameters. And so if you're going to entirely change the parameters, it becomes a lot less interesting. I mean, it just feels to me so much like life is so unfair, right? Life is unfair. And so 100%. humans made sport to try to make things fair, at least for a minute, we can think that, okay, there's fairness here, right? There's going to be the best man or woman is going to win. And now this is all up in the air again, theoretically, uh, as there is no, you know, transitioned that I know of that anybody knows of. Nobody knows a trans woman surfer with stickers on the board. Not to say it won't happen, but nobody knows one today. Um, the other thing that grinds my gears about this is the WSL virtue signaling for so many things that have no meaning. And then, and then this one doing it quietly because they know that it's going to be controversial. You know what I mean? And so Bethany, so Bethany Hamilton is, I wouldn't say heroic, but she's courageous to go ahead and 
put her foot down and be like, hey, everybody, let's point attention to this decision that was made. She's the one who's going to catch all the flack for the WSL, um, who should have been the one to either. By the way, if you fully believe this, Eric and Jesse, then get behind then it. Talk about, then get behind it and talk Just about totally it. Totally say no. Press, and then defend it. And then when Bethany Hamilton makes her statements, then you guys defend it. But and, again, the that limp windsock thing that I said earlier, this is the exact example of that. I mean, like, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that they made a decision and won't believe in it. That's like, that's all fine and good. So say, no, we want this to be a open, equal place. And when we say that, we are including transgendered people too. We think that this needs to be a place for them in surfing. And we think at this scientific, you know, whatever testosterone per bloody blahs that this is fair. And we believe this It's just totally. crickets. Totally. It's ridiculous. So the other thing that's worth mentioning from Bethany Hamilton's statement um, was the measurement used to dictate whether or not they could qualify was 12 months worth of hormone levels or testosterone levels, testosterone, testosterone levels. And her thing was like womanhood, femaleness is not measurable by that metric. And it's a much more, you know, um, comprehensive assessment than just that. And so I understand that we're figuring, we're still learning and figuring out what that assessment is, but ultimately that's not enough to determine womanhood, essentially, or femaleness. And she didn't say this, but I think that a logical argument is that it's actually entirely measurable by two chromosomes. I I mean, yes, totally. Except for, you know, what are you going to do then with sport? And like, they're going to have to figure out some way to measure something. And I fully agree. Like it is, there's there's essential differences in being born a man versus being born a woman and i still can't believe that people like jk rowling or whatever get canceled for suggesting such things like for saying there is a difference between biological male and female is wild to me it's wild not to jump into the culture war with both feet but uh well i had somebody text i had a surfboard shaper text me this past week about the bethany thing and he goes, you know, I don't know if it's okay for me to say this, but our like thing, are we, has everybody lost their mind? And I go, the fact that you're afraid to text your friend on a private text thread, worrying if it's okay to say that is the problem. Yeah. Like the idea that you could be canceled over questioning whether or not that's the problem. You I mean, know? The, the internet mob will come for you for wondering things out loud that, and yeah. and or that we can't even have difference of opinion. You say full on, like, I think that all trans should be able to do whatever they want in any division, you know, fairness be damned because we don't really care what's more important is the person at the end versus the other person saying, well, I completely disagree. I think this and this and this. And at the end of the day, you shake hands and say, well, great. Guess what? We have a difference of opinion. Can you believe it? And I think that's all that it is, is a difference of opinion because Bethany even states she's not transphobic. Yeah. And she says, I'm not, I live with a lot of love and respect for everybody, like not even trying to, it's just the state of being that I'm in. So I'm absolutely not transphobic, you know? And so I think that's the misunderstanding is that people do think that not allowing trans in competition means that you- You're transphobic. that you're transphobic, you hate that 
those people and you don't want them to exist. Unlike Kelly Slater, who, who does actively hate women. Ooh. What, what's that? Ouch. You see this one? No. Oh man. Uh, you know, Andrew Tate. Uh, I think, yeah, I've just seen him on the internet the Talking last couple of culture of wars. Andrew Tate is like a, a real horrible, I think objectively horrible man. Uh, yeah. He was like a kickboxer who is basically like the guru for incels for, yeah. you know, he said proudly says I'm a misogynist. I, you know, hate women. Uh, women should be in the kitchen. Women shouldn't drive, you know, all like he, all kinds of stuff. Uh, and um uh, he's in jail now in Romania for like right. holding women against their will, I guess, whatever, like a real messy dude. Right. Uh, somebody emailed me and said, I don't think that P- that Kelly knows that people could see the text he like. And it was, a, it was the first text was an, or tweet was an Andrew Tate tweet, which said something he's going to donate a hundred million dollars to men who have been falsely accused. And then the second tweet that Kelly liked and Kelly's only liked like 190 tweets, I think. Uh, in all of his Twitter years. The second one that he liked was something about when is Hollywood gonna gonna learn that people don't want to see a bunch of gays in movies? <laughs> something. <laughs> no. Andrew Tate said that? No, there was some other dude who said a rapper oh, somebody said else that. said it. But that was That's those insane. were the two. Those were the two. And so this person sent me this thing and I was like, mm. and I thought, okay, I'm gonna write it. And then I thought, no, I can't write it because that's probably screenshot, right? Like, or you could, like, you could fiddle, you could say anything there. You could say Kelly liked any tweet, right? Like Photoshop. And so I went and looked and lo and behold, Kelly liked those tweets. Like, what are you thinking, Kelly? That's This is like, it is absolutely public to see which tweets he likes. When is Hollywood going to learn that people don't want to see gays in films? Sounds like an onion headline. I mean, it's, and Kelly liked it. Like, I don't know if he, if he was like late night scrolling and then accidentally like nodding off and accidentally was liking tweets. I don't know what he liked about either of those tweets. It's so funny. It's wild to me. It is. It was absolutely wild. That's what he apparently likes. Yeah. Amazing. Um, Well, let's, we've got a, couple of barrel or naws coming through from the listener line but let's go to commercial break shortly so that we could tell people to uh go to linkedin.com slash surf if they want to post a job great Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. 
LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. All right, Chaz, we're back. Perfect. I mean, LinkedIn, I've mentioned this, I think, last show. LinkedIn asks that we play the redundant ads, uh, which isn't doing them the mo- the best service. But I'll just state it here in real time. If anybody needs to post a job, why would you not post it on LinkedIn.com slash surf? It's the only place to do it. Taps in to your already existing network. It's easy. Let it, easy, and then you just let it. I mean, every it, literally everybody posts all of their job qualifications and everything on LinkedIn. That's the purpose of LinkedIn. So letting it kind of filter through that system and run through the algorithm, that's where you would post a job. There's stupid to post a job anywhere else. LinkedIn.com. I mean, it's really, it's the people who, you know, every we all know that one person who like insists on doing the hard thing because, or the dumb thing, just because it's their thing. Like who, nope, you know, I, the, the person who stayed on, AOL for way, way, way too long, et cetera, et cetera. Don't be that person. No, paying 20 bucks a month to AOL just to use that service. Yep. Uh, no, linkedin.com slash surf, of course. Um, all right, we have listener line calls for this week's Barrel or Not. Here goes the first. David and Chaz, good morning. I have a question for you. I don't know if this would be a Barrel or Not or if this would be a... Um, you know better or whatever that segment was um trust in us i don't know which one it would fall under but i have a question um i currently live in san diego and a, i think it was like a month ago uh katie simmers had her um video release uh right down the street from where i live i am now 35 years old i've always gone to like surf events since i was in high school movies things like that um anything that caught my interest um i lived in huntington pretty much my whole life so you know it was always at my you know disposal and now i'm 35 i was thinking about going katie simmers is what 16 and it was probably going to be a bunch of 16 year olds i did want to see the movie itself which i watched on stab later I didn't know if I was too old to go to an event like that. I saw like a recap later and, you know, there was, you know, kind of older pro surfers there and um, people my age, I guess, but I just felt weird going to that premiere. So wanted to know, did I mess up and not go have a good time or has that era come to an end for me? Let me know. I appreciate your advice. Keep up the work. Now, 
I'm uncertain. Maybe you can clarify. Is he confused about just going to premieres in general or because it's a 16 year old girl surf movie? I think if it was the Bruce Irons movie part two, he would he would feel fine going. I think it's specifically about, you know, and the older he gets, I think he's rightly identified that these surf premieres are everybody's going to, you know, it's Matthew McConaughey and uh, days confused. I keep getting older. They stay the same age. Uh, So that's a problem is he's entering this phase of life now where it's going to be be an issue. Bruce Irons is not making his second movie. So I think he did the absolutely right thing. Unless you are involved in some work that requires you to go, because then you could, hey, it's not your, you know, like, oh, I can go. I work for Beach Grid. I can cover it, et cetera. You cannot go unless you want to start a podcast. If you really want to keep on or a website or something, if you have a reason to go, go. If you don't, at 35 to a 16-year-old movie, you're straight up creepy. Is there any way to not be creepy? And like, I'm thinking nope. stand in the back, hold a beer. Creepier. It's even creepier. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, well, just, um, do you put your hands in your pocket? No, nope, that looks creepy. Hands yep. out of your pocket. I don't know where to put my hand if it's not in my pocket. Creepy. Like, there's no way to pull this off. So I think the only saving grace here is if you have a child, you bring your child. Definitely. So either have a, either have a, have a surf industry job or a child borrow a child sure if, if you really if you really want to go babysit find find a friend who has a kid and ask if you could take their friend to the event yep done <laughs> not enough. creepy at all not but that is a hundred percent true though this and i'm glad that this listener was wrestling with this uh because he could have just said you know what no i like this this is something i've always liked and i'm going to continue to do it and you know what he would have been pegged a pedophile absolutely by the way they should have lookouts at these events now just because of this. I mean, they should. This is I mean, so I mean, this is something that honestly we're gonna be dealing with a lot, uh, because there is this huge influx of young talent. Totally. Out. Well, and I will say I have a little anecdote here. Forgot about it until right now. The other day, just a couple of days ago, uh, going to ballet, uh, dropping the kid off and or going to pick the kid up, and she had gone to on a had a later class or something or a private or something. So she was like, I don't know, maybe nine. Uh, and there was some guy going in before me, dropping his daughter off. He looked over his shoulder, looked over his shoulder. I'm rolling through the parking lot, looked over his shoulder, made a dash to the uh, doors, the like glass doors, opened them and pulled it shut on me. And so I was standing outside trying to open it. And he was like, pulling it, pulling it hard in. Uh, and then I finally said, oh, you know, my daughter's in there. And he opened it and was, I could tell he was embarrassed, but I, he was China, a Chinese man. I don't think he spoke very much English, but I patted his back and I said, good looking out. Like I would fully, thank you. I feel safer with my daughter in here knowing that you're around, bro. <laughs> Despite the fact that he thought you were the pedo. A pedophile. <laughs> Or maybe yeah. just homeless. You wear ripped I mean, clothing and you have neck tattoos. It's true. It's true. There's a lot of, you know, and I'll throw up that, you know, he was like a well-dressed Chinese man. So I could throw in a little bit of, you know, that you know, her ballet teacher, I told daughter the story and ballet teacher said, this guy doesn't understand Lucadia chic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you not being personally offended and recognizing the greater good. I was so happy, but all to say back to the Katie Simmers premiere. I would love for somebody standing out there with a baseball bat hitting 
our dear caller in case he got the idea that he was going to go too. just a baseball exactly. bat to the guts, man. Head home. Exactly. Exactly. I like it. Okay. We got another one, uh, which also kind of factors in to um, a little bit of a cultural profiling here as well. Jazz David, uh, barrel or not for you. And that is Dahui merch as in merchandise. So for context here, I am a white man from Southern California, and I dug up in the depths of my parents' drawers a Dahui shirt that I got in Hawaii back when I was a kid, and I was just thinking about, man, could I still rock Dahui merch, you know, being a, a Howley from the mainland, or uh, is it a no barrel? Anyways, I'd appreciate your advice. What say you? an absolute barrel rock that to is it oh i think so for sure one time i'll tell you the mistake not to make though one time i got a pair of dahui trunks uh at some like i was really wanted to i was it was something for surfing magazine i was like let's support the brands we like right i like dahui like core uh so i bought a pair of dahui trunks from some online surf shop thing i don't even know what it was, it was they were like expensive it was like 50 bucks or something and it was like a, I paid full pop. And then next time I saw Eddie, I said, Hey, Eddie, I got these, uh, I bought my Dahui trunks and you know, I've, where'd you get them from? Oh, this, whatever it was, the online thing, oh, fucking those fucking guys, you fucking get your shorts from Costco, fucking get them from Costco. So if people want Dahui to get it from Costco is, is what why was he recommending Costco? Cause it was cheaper. Yeah, it was cheaper. And it was like, I think he gets no, you know, Dahui or whatever. Who knows? He didn't get any cut from this place. They were just like, you know, he's selling it for whatever he's selling it for. I didn't quite understand why I was supposed to get at Costco, but I said, yes, sir, Mr. Rothman, Costco it is. But I think Dahui is an awesome brand. I love what, you know, like, and to be able to support the backdoor shootout and all the the good work, uh, buy a stinking Dahui, wear it with pride. I guess I'm I'm agree with you in terms of supporting the brand uh, in the because they support surfing. You know what I yes. mean? Like they support a, a certain core of surfing, the most core you could argue. But back to previous conversations of have confidence wearing what you're wearing. I cannot confidently wear Dahui. It's I'm, so it's so like not on brand for me that I would just feel super awkward wearing it. I'm going to get you a Dahui shirt. I'm going to get us both Dahui shirts and we're going to wear them on the next podcast. And just because maybe what's going to happen is you're going to feel the mana, the maybe. the spirit of the islands. You're going to be bold and brave. You'll feel I'll, right I'll at home in your Dahui. I'll speak with a pigeon accent through yep. the whole podcast. Oh, oh. Um, by the way, Brother David, speaking of um, the last week's fashion police segment, on the award show. I did not realize this at the time, but somebody sent me Leonardo Fioravanti's post. He's wearing a Gucci suit, but left the Gucci tag on the sleeve. Oops. On the exterior of the sleeve. He's holding the award. Like he wore it through the entire ceremony, went up and accepted his uh, winning the CS, Uh who won the Challenger series, went up and accepted, then was taking photos, holding his award with the Gucci tag still on Uh the sleeve. Uh Uh-oh. That's a, that's a faux pas right there. Poor Leo. Would I would have thought I would have thought Leo would have known how to dress. I mean, he, Leo's been the face of Gucci. That's the thing. He partners with Gucci, right? Yeah. Like he has a deal with him. Yeah. Oops. So how Sorry, does he Leo. not know that? Yeah. Take it off, Leo. 
All right. Well, final barrel or not from a listener. David, Chaz, calling from Honolulu Airport. I just got out of the uh, restroom, probably TMI right there. But there's a guy in there in the stall talking on his cell phone, talking about building an RP, RV park and uh, where everybody in the bathroom could hear his conversation. Just wondering, is that a barrel or a knock? I'm pretty sure that's got to be a knock. Take care. Thanks. Have a great day. Was that Paisel? I don't know. I could check the phone number. I'm, that sounded a lot like our wonderful friend, John Paisel. Well, while you address it, I could look up the number right now. Yeah, and it's a definite nah. I mean, phone conversations, frankly, should not happen anywhere uh, public, I think. And if you have to, if you're at the grocery store, if you're somewhere, of course, you keep it quiet. Like the other day, yesterday, in fact, uh, had to get some, uh, I don't know, like herbs or something. And so called the wife to ask for questions and she like FaceTime me right away because she wanted to see what I was looking at. Right. And so I quickly showed her and then she wanted to keep talking about something else. And I hung right up because I'm not going to walk around the store FaceTime jibber jabbering. Right. It's like right. I called her on the landline normal style and kept my voice quiet. And that's what you do. Respect the privacy of your conversations. Did you tell her you were hanging up or you just like I just hanged up. Out of spite, just hang up. Just boom. Nope. I'm not going to, this is not the time or place to be FaceTiming. And you should know that. And yep. now I'm going to teach you that. And even if you like don't, it. I know it. So I will just take matters into my own hands. What was she making with those herbs? Uh, It was actually herb, medicinal herbs oh. and not, not marijuana, but like it was some yeah, yeah. tincture or something for the kid. It was like gotcha. an immunity booster, echinacea thing. I made a chimichurri last night. So I was Ooh. buying herbs as well. Was it spicy? Um, no. Well, I did put a jalapeno in there, but it was not spicy enough. I could have put more. Mm. Um, well, I agree with you. Obviously, this is a, this is a naw. The bathroom call thing is a naw. Um, the idea, first of all, he said the guy was in a stall. So yeah. the idea, the, pub, the public thing is one thing. The having a conversation where everybody can hear is very naw, but having a conversation while you're taking a dump is also an affront to the other person on the other end of the line. Like I, I, I mean, and I would hope that we could add this barrel or not to taking or having a call while sitting on the toilet is a naw across the board. It doesn't matter if it's your home. doesn't matter if it's, I mean, no. that is just a no. That is a, no. that is a no. That person- apparently not and i've i've had this happen this exact scenario i've been in bathrooms where i hear this sure. happening you know and yeah so it does happen but the lack of decorum for that human being lack of I awareness mean, lack of awareness of the surrounding but the lack of decorum for their own dignity you know what i mean like they're i guarantee you this this guy's wife hates him his children are embarrassed by him there's you no know? two ways about it do you know who drops anchor while chit-chatting on the phone? Eric Logan. <laughs> Do you know that for sure? I guarantee it. He would be the fully the kind of guy who would. Yeah. Well, I am absolutely going naw on this. Yep. And more importantly, nobody wants to hear your conversation in the bathroom. So nope. Double no. Keep it to yourself. Yep. Keep it to yourself. Clearly. I looked up Paisal's number and I looked up the number that that call came from. They are not the same. Dang it. Well, John, um, call in with a barrel and all. Yeah, John. All right. Well, uh, 
And congrats, by the way, to your, with your success, John Pizel, Tyler Wright, I think has been riding his boards the last two years and she has the final at pipe. So good for her. In the, in their, in the WSL's new stab in the daylight. Yeah. Is that what it's called? I, I, mean, I think so. But it's the Shaper Awards through the year, right? Yeah. It's basically I that. like it. Yeah. That's even better, even better branding. Yep. Um, all right. Well, hey, we covered a ton this week. We're at 94 minutes or so. So uh, yeah, monster show. Uh, thank you, linkedin.com slash surf. Thank you, athleticgreens.com slash surf, not only for supporting us and our listeners, but also for supporting Jack Robinson. If you want to surf like Jack Robinson, if you want to podcast like us, go get athleticgreens.com slash surf. Who, who speaking of now, should I surf now that you're out and we're just riding my picks, who should we, I pick to survive at sunset? You're going to take my advice. Well, I was thinking what I was going to do i lost last year's son john john florence lost me sunset last year that was a gut punch uh i might ride john again though yeah john looks so good right he looks and, so good and sunsets his spot so my picks for sunset would be jack who you can't use john baron mamiya has won there I'm not going to go see, this is the, I'm not going to go on a sneaky one. I'm going to ride as far as I can. I'm going to burn out all the good. I like, I don't want to lose on Baron Mamiya and think, Oh, you know, with having like, when I pick Baron Mamiya for an event, I want to have gay burned, Philippe burned, John burned. Like there's enough to go through of like top tier where you can pretty much not guarantee. There ain't no guarantees here, but I'm not, I'm not looking down the line. I'm picking the Baron, best surfer every time. Baron is the best surfer there, though. You think so? Well, he's Baron's, one there. Well, I mean, oh, you're, making a, you're making a strong case. But I can see Baron competitively, though, depending on the forecast. I know. It's, the, it's those guys who win consistently. Yes, they win because they're great surfers. They also win because they understand heat strategy. They understand how to play the game, right? That's as much of it as surfing good. Then you got to go, John. Yeah, John knows the safe, John's the safer bet than Baron in this. I got to get through. I got to get through. I'm rooting for you. Okay. You oh, there's going to be a losers. I think there's going to be a losers league. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to. I'm ready to lose again. Yeah, it really is um, fun. It yeah. Well, it's heartbreaking too. I guess yeah. that that makes it fun. Um, if you win, I have advised you with this John John pick. And so I expect a portion of the winnings. Yep, you will have one third of my surfboards. Sweet. Yep. All right, Chaz, until next week. Bon voyage. And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.